0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine and Lila Bromberg here today. And today's been a hectic day so far. A lot of breaking news out of the Maryland men's basketball and Maryland football programs, Um, specifically the opponents that they were supposed to have over the Last week or the week coming, and we'll get into that. We'll get into their uh, their season so far, as well as Maryland women's basketball, um, their successes early on in the year. Um, but Lila, just a crazy day so far.
1: Yeah, I was just telling you. I was like, "Is this year just going to be writing breaking news articles about COVID?" I feel like being a journalist these days, like like half of your job is just writing about cancellations. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, we had. I think right before I got into my first class, maybe like 9.45, around 10, somewhere there, uh, we found out that Maryland men's basketball's game against George Mason for Friday, December 4th was canceled. Um, They had already had two cancellations uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Originally, they were supposed to play Monmouth on December 1st. And then that was canceled due to COVID outbreak in that program. And then it was rescheduled with Towson, same thing there. Then they decide to move the game to uh, Saturday, where they'll be traveling to JMU, making it the same exact time as football, which is going to be interesting. And um, now, yeah, now George Mason is canceled for opponent having more cases. And, you know, with football, I think you and I were talking about it all week, that maybe this game with Michigan was a possibility to be canceled, because they've been dealing with an outbreak themselves, and it just came out officially that it has been. So. That's four cancellations in the past week across those two sports, which is kind of crazy. Like, just what's your reaction to that? You know, like we knew some of this going into the season, but actually, like having it happen.
0: Well, I think it's crazy also how Maryland had two games canceled for their own COVID issues in football uh, against Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, Those were two home games. So they lost both of those. They play at Indiana and then their third game in four weeks gets canceled at Michigan. Uh, and there was a lot of speculation over, I think, since Monday, honestly, uh, that they, they had uh, assumed some positive cases and they confirmed some of those to be negative. But then the next day there was more positive cases. So I think the whole thing is just – it's crazy. Um, and the Big Ten's protocols and everything with daily testing – and having to get those confirmed positive with PCR tests, I think that's, uh, I, I, I like that idea still. Um, their idea for that was to stop the spread of everything, which I don't necessarily think it has done particularly well, but there's really no way to, to avoid that if you're going and having these practices as normal as possible with still getting tested every day. Uh, once you find those cases, you pull those individuals out Of practice and things like that but it might be too late by then and they're already you know they're already in contact with each other every day at practice within the program meetings and things like that but it's just it's it's too hard to anybody that thought going into this season that this wouldn't happen was wrong and they probably realize that now Uh, but I, I know you and I both knew right before this season started that these are things that were Likely going to happen, and Loxley says it all the time that they signed up for this basically um, week in week out. You have no idea what's going to happen, and they knew what they were getting into. So um, it's it's frustrating for us, but it, I'm sure it's even worse for some of these players that don't get to play now.
1: Yeah, that's what I was talking about with some of the guys. With is like if I'm this upset, like just because it's my last year covering this team, I like can't imagine how upset you guys are, especially. Um, the older guys Um, and I think for Maryland football it's especially upsetting because they were really finding a momentum um, right when they the two games canceled there's Ohio State and Michigan State Um, you know let's be honest Ohio State they probably weren't going to win that one um, unless they pulled off a giant upset Um, and then they were going to play Michigan State which you and I both talked about was a winnable game and you know, then they come back into things. They're still missing players, and they play one of the top teams in the country. And I thought we'll we'll get into it later, but I thought they really competed well despite lack of execution, which kind of could be expected with the Russ. We'll get into that, but and now to have this game canceled, it's like another time where you're finally getting back into things. Um, I, I've heard they're self practicing. I have heard also um, for people within the program that there is a possibility within the big 10 of maybe games that like teams that had opponents canceled games could play against each other. Right now, Minnesota and Northwestern is canceled due to cases within the golden Gophers program. I don't think it's a good idea for Maryland to play Northwestern again. It's one like you don't really ever have in a big 10 season, um, a team playing against each other twice. And also that's a really, really tough opponent. Um, And Ohio State had cases, but they seem to be saying it's not an issue. I personally don't believe that. Um, This is a team that has a legitimate shot at the playoffs, and I don't necessarily think that they're going to be transparent, if I'm being completely honest. And that's speculation, but it's not based on fact. That is just my opinion. Um, But if that game, if something were to happen, I think that would be a perfect matchup for Maryland to replay that Michigan State game. Yeah, but it's just so many unknowns, you know, you just don't know if this season, it could change in an instant, which we've learned.
0: It literally every day is a breaking news story, as you pretty much said a few minutes ago, but we
1: always have to be on alert.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally, the post notifications on Twitter for, um, you know, national networks of reporters that have these sources and get these stories out right away. You know, that helps us as well. And then just being in contact with everyone around the program. It's its crazy how much changes every single day. Uh, I think that's the craziest thing is that you just wake up and you have no idea what's going to happen that day. And Loxley said on yesterday in availability that they woke up yesterday, Michigan's on their schedule. They were going to prepare for Michigan. Right, cause I asked
1: about this because I knew the yeah. Michigan game was going to get canceled. And I said, like, is there a contingency plan in place? Right. And- he was right. It is above his pay grade. Um, and that would be more of a decision by Damon Evans and, and the big 10 conference. Um, but I mean, I'm hoping there's some sort of contingency plan in place because then they would lose three games. I mean, I think this team would have had a five and three record. If they had everyone against Indiana, they could have won that game based on what I saw last week. I really think they could have, if they had a full team, and they hadn't missed two weeks of practice. I think they had the ability to win that game um but now you're looking at what's likely to be a three and two record I mean it could have been a five and three record it could have been a six and two most likely five and three but now you have three and two um and that doesn't look great on paper but I think in the grand scheme of things after everything we've seen this season is not going to mean anything in terms of records or history especially for Maryland this is a year of development and I think for any program this year doesn't mean anything unless you're like in the playoffs because there's so many interruptions and even with the playoffs like yes these are the teams that most people expected to be in but they're all dealing with different circumstances right like the sec policies are very lax the accs are pretty lax as well um same with the big 12 and so you know schools like i mean i don't ever think the pac 12 was going to have a team in but like schools like the big 10 just everyone is dealing with different circumstances so it's hard I know the football playoff committee is going to have a really hard time this year because they're deciding like between opponent, between teams that have had different games that have had different situations that have had different players in and out at times. It's just, I mean, it's a mess. You and I have texted about it. Like it's just this whole situation is a mess and it's already unfolding this early in the season with college basketball.
0: There's every day with these college basketball, I get alerts of. It's like every 30 day. every day, several programs shutting down. Um, and Maryland's already had to deal with that. We mentioned with a game scheduled against Monmouth canceled a game scheduled against Towson canceled a game scheduled against George Mason canceled. And as far as basketball goes, it's a lot easier to reschedule or not reschedule, but schedule new opponents when you have cancellations like that, as opposed to football. Um, I'm not sure the reason for that. I I'm just assuming it's cause it's non-conference right now. If Maryland was able to if maryland football was able to play non-conference games i'm sure there would be a lot more room for uh a ju- also
1: less travel because maryland's like playing opponents within the area
0: right yeah and they're allowed to play these non-conference teams that are close by um, so i think that helps obviously if maryland was only maryland basketball only scheduled to play big 10 teams and then there was a cancellation that would leave a lot of scheduling uh, questions and you wouldn't really know if there were open games that you can find, especially with travel and all that. So I think that's an advantage for basketball, but um, just it's crazy that it's like the day before a game and you find out it's canceled. Uh, I don't know how that goes down at practice for these teams where they just find out, oh, we're not playing this game. You know, we just prepared for however long they – in between their next games, you know, they – prep for these teams, they practice as if they're going to play these teams and they watch their film and they do all these different things that go into trying to win a basketball game and then it just doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know if that sets you back in a way or just mentally is is draining. But I know if I was a player in college sports right now, my mental capacity would be drained every single day by just the news that comes out. And it affects every team. It really does.
1: Yeah, and, like, just to be a person scheduling the games um, within the Maryland basketball program, I believe um, that's Mark, not Mark Turgeon, but uh, Director of Player Ops um, of Basketball Operations, sorry, to have the game scheduled earlier today and then have a new opponent within, like, three hours, is it a good opponent? No, not really. But just to reschedule, I mean, a game like that, I think George Mason was one of the only competitive opponents on the schedule and they're not even that good. But I mean, St. Peter's is not, um, JMU is not. Um, and I think they're losing like good competition. Cause you look at their first three opponents and they're all like under 150 on Ken Palm. Like they're not good opponents. And George Mason at least is decent. It's in a better conference. Um, so now kind of the only really competitive opponent you have left is Clemson. And I don't know if Georgia Mason was competitive from the start, but more so than the opponents they have faced and are now rescheduled the face.
0: Yeah, and without question. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is the season where they're trying to get those tournament resumes early in the year. Uh, even looking ahead, I know I hate to do this every day, you know, just trying to figure out how every day is going to unfold. But if you look ahead to March and when they're selecting these teams for the tournament, how is that going to go? All these resumes of teams that are losing games. And then you have, you know, Michigan State beats Duke yesterday on the road. Like, there's just so many different things. of Ranked teams beating ranked teams and then ranked teams losing games to other ranked There's just so many things. I really have no idea what's going to happen when they're selecting teams for the NCAA tournament. I think this might be – I remember
1: last year, like, we were saying how before all of this happened, we were talking about how crazy of a college basketball season it was because of the amount of upsets. And if we had known back then what, like, the season would look like a year from them, like, (laughs) I don't know. You just kind of – it's it's hard because it's such a mess and I think kind of people are forgetting about how dangerous those fires can be um obviously we want to see sports played it's our careers depend on it it's it's these guys want to play but I don't know I think there needs to be a little bit more caution taken by some of these programs um I think Maryland has done a good job of basketball so far it seems I mean they haven't had a cancellation when like at least like 80 programs have, it seems Um, probably more, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be a crazy year. Um, And like you said, like both selecting for, like I said, selecting for the college football playoff, deciding for the NCAA tournament, like it's, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a mess.
0: And it's similar in the NFL with, a lot of these, these Steelers players that were.
1: Do not get into this Ravens Steelers game, Matt. Do not make me go through this. I'm
0: not. I'm not getting into the specific game. I'm just getting into the Steelers lost their original bye week, and a lot of, that was earlier in the I'm year. you're just saying, I point. know
1: you're in pain as a Jets fan.
0: No, it has not. Nothing- I'm already in
1: enough pain as a Ravens fan. I don't need more by talking about this game.
0: I talk. I'm talking about Pittsburgh and how their players took it to social media that they were very frustrated with the league that they lost these. They, they basically had to reschedule twice of games because of their opponents' positive cases. Now, the Steelers, for the most part at least, have been doing everything they, they can. They got their
1: own cases too.
0: I know, but when you're not the team that is forcing the cancellation, that's got to be so frustrating for these collegiate athletes is what I'm trying to say, is that Maryland's basketball team has been, from what we know, doing a great job at, avoiding coronavirus or avoiding after
1: having an outbreak over the summer though we had
0: it over the summer so i don't know how many of them are uh not able to get it right now but nobody really knows but i think the thing is that when your team is the one that's not forcing the cancellation it's even more frustrating sometimes that you're doing everything right distancing sacrificing everything for this season and you lose a game because of another team uh, not following those guidelines or just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, whatever it is, I think that might be uh, a very frustrating point for these athletes.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's just, I mean, it's 2020. It's not really an ideal situation for anyone. But I guess instead of harping on this a bit more, because it's not a very fun topic to talk about, let's get into some games. You want to start with football or basketball?
0: Uh, Let's recap Indiana football. All
1: right. So, like we said, Maryland goes into that game. um, They're down 23 players, including um, some of the best players on the team. Um, You're down two starting offensive linemen. Um, You're down two of your best wide receivers in uh, Rakim Jarrett and Sean Jones. You're down your best running back in Jake Funk. You're down your best two defensive backs and Nick Cross and Tarheeb Still, um, and a bunch of other guys there as well. Um, so you enter down some of your premier talent. Um, you know, you're missing your center. You're missing one of your best offensive linemen as well. And so they enter this on two upward hills of not only are you down 23 players, but you're going against the number 12 team in the country. And I think while it was clear that the offense did not do its job and did not execute properly, I think it needs to be accounted that one, they had like a week, like maybe like five days, four or five days of practice. And Loxley was virtual for most of that. So he and Leah did not have their normal routine that they have. Um, The team did not have a normal routine really. Um, And you're also just kind of shaking off that rust, you know, like, It takes time. They were for like they had to stay in like a hotel room. They had to stay mostly inside. Like there wasn't a lot they could do. And that needs to be taken into consideration. And and despite that, you know, I thought the defense really put up a good fight. This was a close game until the fourth quarter or until like the third quarter. Um you know, they were down seven to three to the number twelve team in the country, being down twenty-three players at halftime. And I think that says a lot, regardless of result of the game and how poorly the offense played. I think that actually says a lot because of how poorly the offense played.
0: I mean, I agree with you. Indiana was also down uh, several players as well. but
1: Not had, their, like, best their players, players though.
0: They had their best guys. And Maryland's defense was really the bright spot, in my opinion, there, uh, especially without Nick Cross, future pro, without Tarheev Still, without Ace Ely, just so many guys that have made such an impact so far this year. Um, without them, they really – the defense really held Indiana's offense in check, which I was shocked by. Uh, based yeah, on- the
1: run defense was a little shaky, but the pass defense was so good.
0: Yeah, The best I mean, I've it, seen from
1: him all season.
0: Based on how Michael Penix Jr. had been playing, unfortunately towards tore his ACL in that game and he missed the rest of the year. But he had been playing like a, a Heisman candidate almost, or at least close, and they have some of the best receivers in the nation. And Wap or Ty Freifogel, um, Hendershot. Two of the well. best
1: names in the country as well, I will add.
0: But just that skill that they really held in check, I thought was tremendous. Uh, and that kept them in the game with the amount of offensive mistakes, not mistakes, but miss executions that they, they, they couldn't execute well. And there was a lot of penalties on offense mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. forced them so- to turn the ball over.
1: To get into the specific numbers, um, just in terms of how limiting they were of Indiana's offense, because I don't think people necessarily realize like how good this actually was. Um, prior to this game, Indiana averaged over 312 receiving yards, second in the Big Ten. They had the most total passing yards of anyone in the conference at 1,561. Michael Penix Jr. led the Big Ten in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completion, while uh, wide receiver Ty Freifogel sat up top of the conference in receiving yards, both total and per game. Um, And heading into the contest for Maryland, they had only kept an opponent under 200 yards through the air once this season against Minnesota. Um, And they held Indiana in this really, really good passing offense to just 115 passing yards. That was their least in a game all season. At halftime, the team had 37 passing yards. So, regardless of how the offense performance, which, you know, we're not homers, we're gonna be honest, it was, it was not good. It, it wasn't. Um, and they struggled with penalties a lot. But this pass defense really impressed. This is a really good team, one of the best passing teams. And they held them to 115 passing yards, 37 in the first half. And then you look at a guy um, like Ty Freifogel. He entered Saturday with at least 200 yards in each of his last two games. And he finished with 10 yards on two receptions. That's it. Watt Fillier finished with 24 yards and two receptions and he missed seven targets. Um, and those are season lows for both of those guys by far. And neither had a reception until the first few minutes of the third quarter.
0: Yeah, they really, they really shut them down. And I think that kind of shows the development that Maryland's had on defense, um, at least stopping the pass. And they've been able to do a great job of that this year.
1: And they're and, horrific at that last year.
0: Yeah. And they had a sixth-round pick in their, in their secondary last year. Um, so I think that's crazy, having an NFL guy go to the league there, a bunch of guys off your – uh, off your defense, leave and get, go sign undrafted as well. Um, and then this year you have freshmen and sophomores and some new guys stepping up. And it's really – I think it's special to see this development so far from Loxley's defense. Um, and it's re- what killed them in the first game against Northwestern was the run. Uh, Northwestern's run game killed them, as well as for Minnesota. And Penn State's offense was just abysmal the entire game. Overall, so and, and yeah, they Maryland did had,
1: allow, like and Maryland over three hundred
0: passing yards. in that game. What? Maryland had like seven sacks in that game, I think.
1: Yeah, but they did still allow like Clifford like over three hundred passing yards, which doesn't really seem real. Having watched the game, but I guess maybe late they just allowed a lot. Um, I'm
0: sure most of that. And was, they never, yeah,
1: yeah, and they never like were able to make good of it in the end zone. Um,
0: so I, I just think this defense is, is. Something to look forward to for the future, especially with bringing in three, four-star defensive linemen next year. Um, that, that, that to me is what's going to change in like three, two or three years, or maybe even I don't know, maybe next year if these if the freshmen are able to make an impact. Then, um, but at least two years from now, I think their defense might be on its way to one of the best in the conference. And I know that might sound crazy to say, but. It, it, it's true. I mean, it without your basically, arguably, your two best secondary players, definitely your best in Nick Cross, and you don't have Ace. Ealy, still,
1: those are both NFL guys.
0: Yeah, and Ace Ely as well, having a good season at linebacker. Uh, I think they, without those three guys, the performance that they had on defense stopping the pass was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I've told you this for a while. Like, I even think next year we're going to be good. I think this is a team that has the ability to really be competitive in the big 10 next either next year or the year after with the defensive talent they had and they're bringing in um, with Leah getting more comfortable in the system and, and the wide receiver core he had. I don't see Jay Sean Jones going to the NFL after this year, maybe Dante Demas, but I think with the lack of games that is less of a possibility just because there's still going to be very much uncertainty with this year's draft. And I think it's a smarter move to stay. Um, You're going to have, so basically like you could have your three best wide receivers coming back and you've got more guys developing. You get Chigakonkwo back, um, who I completely think will be in the NFL. Um, He's a really, really talented tight end. Um, And, you know, you'll have continued development from your offensive linemen um, who are all pretty young. And so I really think, I think a lot of Maryland people who've been around the program, not in the program, but around the program recovering covering, tend to be skeptical. But knowing the pieces of this program, knowing who Loxley is as a person and a coach, um, I really think that this program has the ability to be special within the next couple years. You know, like this is going to be a rough year just look at the circumstances, but look how they performed under both circumstances. And I think that says a lot. This, this will be a good team within the next few years. There's not, and they're going to shock a lot of people, but if you look at the talent and how it's going to develop, yes, Lee has been hot and cold. Um, but you have to kind of consider um, shaking off the rust. You have to consider having his two best offensive linemen out and things like that. He wasn't making the best decisions. They were really hurt by penalties. Um, that weren't necessarily his fault, things like that. Um, Obviously, like, those interceptions were bad. um, But I do think he is a special player um, despite that performance, and I think he's just going to continue to develop and get better. Like, this is his first year. It's a very not normal year to start um, with that wide receiver talent, like I said, your best tight end coming back, um, the defensive talent developing. You know, it's going to depend on – how long some of these guys stay, because I think there's a lot of NFL talent on this team. I mean, for you right now, who stands out as NFL talent?
0: Overall, I think Togo at quarterback, Dante Demas at wide receiver, uh, Rakim Jarrett at wide receiver, maybe Jay Sean Jones, but he's had a lot of injuries, and I believe he's out with COVID. Now. That
1: was his first injury. His ACL was his first injury. Well, he, he had one
0: in high school also. Um, he
1: didn't have ACL, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just had injuries in general.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then who else on offense? I don't know. I, I think, think.
1: Chigg is. I really do.
0: Defensively, Nick Cross, Tarheeb still. Maybe Chance Campbell gets a shot based on the I year don't think he's he has having.
1: the size.
0: He might get a shot with the, the year he's having now. Who I'm knows? just
1: saying look at a guy like Trey Watson. He had an even better year and just got ruled out for his size. Still upsets me.
0: <laughs> um maybe even Ruben hippolyte
1: oh Ru- no Ruben hippolyte yes he's only a freshman he's also, he's he, really he well right
0: might now. not have the size as well um but that's that's fair he's a talented player four star so I, I, yeah they, and we're, we're saying maybe maybe this is going to take
1: time really we're well. not saying these guys are like in to nfl right away like they're going to take time but i think i think Sean jones like if he has another year i think he could um but, yeah, I think the other two are more of a lock. Um, but was, I, think, I think there's talent. There's a lot of NFL talent on this team.
0: And I think Locksley knows how to develop it. Even on special teams with Anthony Pecarella and Colton Spangler, like, those punters are so good. Every Anthony
1: Pecarella has been so good this year.
0: They're punting with inside the five-yard line, no matter where they are pretty much, or inside the 20 at the, at the least. And that puts teams on their offensive drives deep in their own territory. And that helps the defense – come through for a stop and that very is, underrated
1: aspect of his team. Very underrated aspect that's not talked about.
0: Extremely underrated. And they, both those guys have been phenomenal so far this year. So maybe they get a shot. I don't know how it works with two Yeah, much. I don't know
1: how it works with special teams. We'll have to ask Nick Novak. <laughs> um
0: but they they also might depending on if they keep this up for the rest of the, the season, if they're able to play rockers uh and then next year and maybe the year after as well.
1: Yeah, and I'm interested to see who they get matched up with in this championship game, because now we're uh, quickly approaching that. Um, because there's been so many cancellations, it seems like everything is up in the air of Champions Week. You know, there's a lot of debate right now of, I think initially they said you would deploy like six games or five games. I don't know if they're lowering it, but it seems like they're going to have to with all these cancellations. Um, and so we'll see what happens with Champions Week. But right now... You know, you would have the Big Ten championship, and uh, then you would have um, the matchups between each of the conferences uh, of the Western and the Eastern. So right now, looking at Maryland, um, Maryland is currently pulling this up right now. Just to be sure I'm right. So Maryland right now, if you're looking the Big Ten East, they're still in a uh, in third place. Like they still have stayed in third place despite losing two games to the schedule and then losing a game, which is pretty impressive. So right now they would face uh, Wisconsin. That, that would be a tough game. Uh, Cause I guess I would now, because Wisconsin has lost so many games is in second place. So Wisconsin would definitely be a tough game, but that would be a really fun game to watch, I think. And then Minnesota is in fourth place. Um, so you have Wisconsin at two and one and Minnesota at two and three. You've three teams in the West at two and three. Uh, you've got Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. And Nebraska, who was pushing the most for a Big Ten season, in dead last.
0: And before before I talk about that, I also want to add that I think Isaiah Jacobs could be a pro as well uh, with his brother, Josh Jacobs. on the Penny Boone.
1: Penny, yeah, Boone. Penny Boone. That, that hurdle? Side.
0: Both those guys, only just freshmen. Um, so we'll see how they pan out. But – as far as the Big Ten Championship game, as you said, so up in the air. We have no idea. Um, are, is that at a neutral site? Did they even announce that yet? Or is that at campus I believe really it's all going to be
1: in Indianapolis. But I, they haven't released – How are they going to
0: make that going to work? So, I have no idea how they'll make that work. But
1: I don't know. Um, they haven't really released details on – I mean, we know that the championship is always held in Indianapolis, but they haven't really released details on, like, where those championship week games are going to happen.
0: So – I think, you'll, I think Maryland will beat Rutgers, so they'll be three and two. That'll leave you probably playing Wisconsin, I would have to guess, uh, unless Iowa loses a game and Wisconsin wins their next two.
1: Is Wisconsin back? Is, is Wisconsin facing more cancellations? Are they back? Are they?
0: We... I don't know. I don't know anything anymore with these cancellations.
1: It's so hard to keep up with Matt and I have been trying to keep up so much on like Twitter and like, follow, like I've been following all these different beat reports for different teams that like I've never followed before because like it's in the Big Ten West or it's just like something that wouldn't normally affect Maryland because you normally don't have these cancellations. And it's just like a season where you have to have your notifications on to follow any cancellations, to follow any other teams and what their COVID situation is. It's just it's a crazy year.
0: Yeah, there's really no other word for it than crazy. It's every day. But, uh, yeah, should we, should we get into basketball now? or?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, so Maryland men's basketball off to a 3-0 start. Uh, they handled their first two games pretty well against Mount St. Mary's in their third game. They handled the first, first half pretty well, at least towards the end of the first half. Second half, they get a 10-point lead blow it somehow Uh, they ended up going down by two and then after that just an absurd run a 21 to nothing run they ended the game on a 23 to 3 run Um, and the offensive burst there was one of the most special sequences I've seen for Maryland's offense in a while in terms of large runs Um, let's
1: think about what let's think about who this team is though
0: Right. Let's... it doesn't matter to me who the team is. It does is. though.
1: This is a team if, if that... you're
0: trailing by two, it doesn't matter who it is, and you're able to turn a twenty one nothing run in right after that, that shows the resiliency. It doesn't this matter is who the two
1: hundred and fifty sixth team in the country. I don't I don't think that says much. College
0: basketball, no. especially last year and this year, has shown it doesn't matter who you're playing. It really it doesn't. does not uh... Richmond just beat Kentucky. Obviously, Richmond's a tournament team, but still.
1: Yeah, that's a tournament team.
0: Yeah, but it's Kentucky. This team
1: is 256th in the country.
0: What I still saying? think uh, – when's the last time they had a, a large run like that? It's been a long last time.
1: Last year. They had so many comebacks last year. What not are you talking
0: 21 about? to nothing.
1: They had some big runs last year. Maybe yeah, not 21 to nothing. Back they came back from being down, down like runs.
0: 14 or 17 at halftime, but they didn't do that in one sequence. It wasn't a 17-nothing run. That throughout the entire second half. This was in fuck. This was in five minutes, I think, and it was a twenty-one to zero. credit
1: for that. I just think when we're talking about this, you have to consider the opponent, and that's why I don't think you can say it's like one of their best offensive runs we've seen.
0: I still think it is, and they won by eighteen. So, I mean, really, if you're looking at that, like,
1: I'm just saying that's a team you should beat by
0: forty points, easily. The spread wasn't that high.
1: We spread's never that high. Spread, spread You're like, not
0: supposed to beat a team like 40 points. When's the last time they beat a team by 40 points?
1: Last off season. I mean last last non-conference season. Who? I mean, I'll look right now.
0: I know they beat Navy this year by 30.
1: They beat Oakland by 30. Okay, maybe I'm thinking like 30, but still.
0: 40 points is a lot of points. I
1: meant 30, okay? 40 points is a lot. But, like, you should beat that team by 30, not not 18, in my opinion. But it it was impressive how it came back. But, like, I was talking about this um, on a podcast or video with a leaf cream the other day. Like, there's no way to say whether this team, like, is good at this point, given the opponents they faced. You like that there's depth right now? That's something we haven't seen. you only had two games last year where Jalen Smith or Anthony Cowan Jr. wasn't the leading scorer. And you've had uh, four, doub- four double digit scores in every single game so far. Um, and five in this last game. And then you kind of see that trio established of, which we kind of expected, right. Of Aaron Wiggins, Darren Morsell and Eric Ayala. They've, had double digits in all three games. And then you've seen guys like Dante Scott, Scott, Hakeem Hart, Jarius Hamilton, Galen Smith, each have double digits in a game. Dante had them in both, both of which were career highs. Um, So that's good to see. Um, I guess I'll get your thoughts on that before I get into some other things that are on my mind.
0: My thoughts on the depth scoring? Yeah. Well, I think it's obviously there's no relying on Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith anymore. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing to rely on them. I think that was good for that team where you didn't have to have Aaron Wiggins trying to score or Eric Ayala trying to score, things like that. And I think even more so now, Ayala doesn't necessarily need to score. There's a lot of guys that can score on this team where he could just have the ball in his hands and and pass more. Uh, But he's shown that he's been able to get to the bucket He's been able to shoot really well so far. He's shooting like 70% from the field. Uh, he's averaging some, I think, around 15 or 16 points per game. And just, I think the development of him, at, I think the development of him has been impressive and more sell the most to me uh, offensively. And then, obviously, I knew what Wiggins was going to do. Um, he started off slow in a couple games, but he's picked it up. He's put together some of his own runs. He had an 8 nothing run against Navy. And, like, I just – I think I think Aaron Wiggins is a pro and he has the pro size and everything like that. He's just got to be more consistent in shooting. And I talked about it before the season started, and I'm, I don't know if I still think it so far. Again, it's too early to tell. But I thought that their offense was going to go if Wiggins goes. And now I'm starting to think that they don't really need Wiggins to score too much. I think as far as shooting goes, if they're going to shoot the ball well – Wiggins is likely going to be shooting well from deep. But as far as scoring goes, I think anybody can score. As far as the seven guys or so you mentioned, the trio of Ayala, Wiggins, and Morcel, they can all score. They've shown that so far. They've shown that throughout their careers, too. And Dante Scott has been so impressive. Uh, And I loved his development last year as a freshman. Just from the first half to the second half of the season, he was a new player. Uh, and towards the end of the year, he was a big reason why they won the Big Ten title. He was a huge reason why, and just a freshman. I think he has a chance to be an all-Big Ten player eventually. Um, and Jerry's Hamilton as well. In three games as a terp, the most impressive one was against Mount St. Mary's. His body is just – it's insane. He's 6'8", 235 pounds, and he's a big kid. And he's shooting the ball from deep. He's he looked a little bit off shooting from the mid-range. Was Hamilton? Yeah.
1: No, he shot horribly in the first two games.
0: That's Horrible. what I said. He looked a little bit off shooting from mid-range.
1: He was uh, like one for seven.
0: Leaving it short a little bit. But in the Mount St. Mary's game, he was absurd. And he had a couple threes. He had some great moves down low, fooling defenders. Uh, and he's using that size. And I think if he gets going – Early on in his Maryland career, just three games in, it's going to be a fight to see who starts, him or Dante Scott at the four. I think starting both of them could be beneficial to this team. And the five that were on the floor when they had the 21 nothing run was the big three of Ayala, Wiggins, Morcell, Dante Scott, and Jarius Hamilton. And that's not really going to work in Big Ten play against Iowa and Illinois, maybe even Wisconsin, but... And Wisconsin doesn't really have a, a huge player the way Garza and, and Kobe. Yeah, but he's a stretch player. He shoots more that's than
1: – That's true.
0: He's not a, he's not a guy that's going to pound you down low and you need Jalen Smith to come in there. But that, that's where I'm interested to see how Galen Smith performs. And he has that SEC experience. But the Big Ten has these huge guys.
1: Oh, and, yeah. Hunter Dixon too. Yeah. And
0: Michigan, Garza, Who Maryland, Maryland should
1: have gone after more.
0: Garza is the best player in the country, no question. He
1: 30, how much points did he have in that one game, like 40-something?
0: 34 in the first half, I think. It was somewhere around that. He missed like two shots or something. I don't know, something crazy. But grinding and pounding down low against those guys are going to be hard. So that's why I don't know what the lineup is going to look like when you play a team like that. But when you're playing – even Mount St. Mary's, they had height. They had two 6'9 forwards. And Maryland's front court was a lot small, not a lot smaller, but you had Jerry's Hamilton's 6'8", Dante Scott's 6'7". So you had smaller guys in those late runs of that game, and it worked out well. But, I'm, again, it's not going to work against Garza and Coburn. So I'm interested to see how they roll out towards the end of the year against these Big Ten opponent, opponents. But as far as the small ball lineup, I think that's going to be where they score the most. Uh, in a if they're playing a balanced team as far as height goes and you don't have to face Garza or Coburn, you, you're going up against, I don't know, Penn State or Northwestern, a more balanced size team, you could probably roll out that small ball lineup and score a lot of points with that. And you don't necessarily need Galen Smith down low for the size or tr- even Shoal Mario down well, low. Well, let's
1: talk the- about him. Let's talk about Shoal. Um, I think there's something so special about a guy that is 7'2 and really is able to shoot the three and did sort of very high level um in high school I wrote an article this past week about his work um maybe it was a week before time is weird right now um about his work with his trainer this summer he really put a lot of work in to improve his movement um and kind of just keep rehabbing and um, he got his first collegiate start against uh, against Mount St. Mary's, and he didn't look great. Um, his timing seemed very off. And I think it's going to take time for him to develop. But I think once he gets further along in this year, um, he can be a special player. I think next year he's going to be a really special player. Like, it's with a guy who's been injured for three years, it's going to take time. But I think he has the ability to be a really special player down the line. And if he can even develop a little bit more this year, having him on the floor as a guy that is big down low and can shoot would be huge. But obviously you're not going to do that against a team. Like we said, like Iowa or Illinois.
0: Well, he, he's just, I, I, I don't know. I was very critical. I don't know either. either.
1: It's, it's, it's hard to know. It's so hard to know if a guy like that,
0: but I, I think he critical. will
1: continue to improve.
0: Not that I know anything about basketball, but I was very critical of him. Uh, and, the, and the thing I noticed between him and What do you
1: and- mean you don't know anything about basketball? Oh, That's not I'm, true.
0: I'm kidding, but I'm also not kidding, because who am I to criticize a guy like that? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the right person to do that. So take this with a grain of salt. But I think the difference between him and Galen Smith so far is obviously the experience. And then the timing down low of if a defender is going to pump fake, Scholl was jumping in the air every time. And that's how you get beat. If you leave your feet, you're either going to give up a foul or you're giving up a bucket every single time. And Galen Smith did a great job of just holding his footing and keeping his hands up and not fouling, not jumping, and that forces missed shots. So just a little adjustment like that of Mario to stay put on his feet. And he has a seven foot eight wingspan. If he reached up, nobody's shooting over you pretty much.
1: I heard it was like 7'10 or 7'11 at one point. I've heard different numbers thrown around.
0: Might be more. I don't know. I've heard seven, eight. But uh, even so then, if it's more than that, just keep your feet set. Don't jump. You're not going to give yourself up that way, and nobody's getting by you if you're that big. Obviously, and That can be
1: easily improved. That's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm saying. going to take
0: That is a tiny adjustment that can be made. And I don't know how – He was
1: running up and down the floor a lot better. I'll say that. He was running up and down the floor a lot yeah, like, better.
0: He runs like a gazelle. It's crazy. It takes like three steps down the court.
1: That's what I'm saying is, like, you can see the improvement in his movement, and he has had a decent amount of points in games, Um, and so I think, like you said, if you fix those little things, I think he just needs to continue to get more comfortable, right? Like, practice experience is different than game experience, And and I think by the time you get to, like, late January, February, he could be a good player. Next year, I think he's the ability to be a really special player.
0: Do you think he has the ability to go to the league with the size?
1: 100%. 100%. There's one guy in the NBA right now that is 7 uh, 2 and can shoot. And you have a Knicks thing in the background. He left you guys because you're the Knicks. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is the only other guy who is at least 7 2 in the NBA and can shoot it from deep. Just saying.
0: Yeah, and he was the fourth overall pick, I think. fifth. I, mean, I don't know, fourth?
1: fourth I mean, the, the thing is, like, when it comes to his potential NBA career, the thing that's going to hurt him is the injury history. A lot of teams are going to be worried because of that. Um, but I think down the line he's a potential to be special.
0: I mean, with that size, you can't give up on it right away. Like, yeah. nobody's counting him with out. The size
1: and the shooting ability, that's so rare.
0: So we'll see how that, we'll see how he develops. I think that's the biggest thing for Maryland is his development the rest of the season. And if he can, if he can be able to even compete slightly with the likes of the rest of the Big Ten big men, I think Maryland might have a really good shot to compete and be better than expected. Uh, Obviously,
1: I don't see him finishing like higher than
0: fourth though well no no they were they were projected to finish like 10th i'm saying towards the middle not below the the, not below the pack i think maryland finishes in the middle Um, i I would
1: agree with that i would agree with
0: that We'll see. It's
1: so early there's no i'm gonna say like yes maybe i'm gonna say maybe it's so early in the season i don't know
0: how many teams have special players like wiggins ayala and morsel
1: a lot. In the Big Ten, a lot. I don't
0: know. That's the thing. Wisconsin, yes. There's a
1: lot, Matt.
0: I, I don't think Michigan plays as a team as well as many think. Personally, that's my opinion. Um, Illinois has it. Iowa has it. So that's three.
1: Michigan State is always going to have it because Michigan of the Michigan
0: State is, is good. I don't
1: think they have the talent. I do not. I will die on this hill. Rocket Watts is not good. I don't know why he's being overhyped. He shot like 30% from the floor. He has not been good. I'm not going to rant about that, but he is overrated. But Tom Izzo is a great coach. Um, who else do we have? Um, Northwestern's going to suck. And I've heard that from my friend who covers the team who we have in the podcast, Andrew Golden. He doesn't think they're going to win a single game in conference play. Um, I don't know. I, I think that middle of the pack is going to be interesting. I think it could go a lot of ways.
0: So another big man or small forward, power forward, six foot eight recruit, four star James Graham uh, had a big announcement over the past. I think it was Friday now. I don't even know. As you said, Lila, the days just all mixed together. But he announced that he's going to enroll early to Maryland, graduate high school early, forgo his senior season. And well, it was
1: already canceled, but yeah.
0: Yes, but he'll <laughs> come to Maryland around Christmas time, I believe, and be immediately eligible for the Terps this season. So that's huge news. Come Big Ten play, if they can get Graham in the weight room, get him acclimated early and developed early, uh, he can potentially be a piece that Maryland relies on in the front court.
1: Yeah, and they told me he doesn't lose any eligibility with this because of the rules this year, but everyone gets an extra year of eligibility. Um, and so, like, I think he's going to be really good next year because he's getting this experience and we'll see how he does this year. You know, he'll, i had been told that he'll come in at the end of the fall semester, which is mid-December, and then he will play once the second semester starts, I believe. So, like, mid-January-ish or after the holidays, it's kind of unclear, Um, but, like, he needs to get acclimated first, but maybe later in the season he could have a bit of an impact but like this isn't a guy that's going to start games or like play like a huge amount of minutes anyway at least a start.
0: And it's good to get him here early especially with the talent that next year's class already has with him being one of three four stars Uh, just to get one here earlier and developed earlier and acclimated earlier I think that for that makes everything go faster the process of getting these freshmen to like next year We'll see how how much he plays this year, but even next season, will we consider him to be a a freshman? Like, yes, but at the same time, he's further along in the process, you know.
1: Yeah, it's so, good for his team. It, yeah. it is.
0: It, it's it's good, and it's it's, and if they can rely on him, he, he's he might even produce right away. I don't personally think he will have a huge role just because he's going to be young, and they're going to want him to get stronger and. Acclimated and everything else, but come early next year, he's going to be making impacts right away. Um, And I'm excited also to see Julian Reese come in next year. He's been absolutely going off in all these games that he's been playing.
1: And that is a good kind of segue into Maryland women's basketball, who I think is going to have a better season than all of these teams by far and could walk away as national champions. Women's basketball has been. Really impressive. Yes, they lost that game to Mississippi State.
0: Missouri Uh, Missouri State. What? They lost to Missouri State.
1: Yes, Missouri State. They lost that game to Missouri State. Um, And before that, they had a win against Davidson, which, while not ranked, is a good team. Um, And then they come back after this loss to Missouri State, which was close late, and they – Absolutely dominate number 14 Arkansas. They had the most points in program history against a ranked opponent. Most points scored against uh, Arkansas ever in school history. Um, Set a record for the Gulf Coast Showcase Beach Bubble Tournament. Um, They were dominant.
0: And it's everybody. It's everybody this year. Uh, And there was so much relying on kyla charles last year who was one of the best players ever to come out of maryland you had stephanie jones blair watson we talk about all these players that are gone and i'm shocked by how much of an impact the transfers into the program have made early on uh,
1: yeah i did not like, expect that like i did i didn't expect uh katie benzan just given how short she is she's like five six i didn't expect her to have that big of an impact and Chloe Bibby had a really good game last game. Um, I definitely did not expect it.
0: And that's the crazy part. that We talked about this for a long time on the preseason uh, women's basketball preview podcast, but I said how Brenda Freeze loses talent and just replenishes it right away. And the funny thing to me is that Taylor Mike who transferred to Oregon, uh, had a career-high 28 <laughs> points, I know Wes tweeted this. Yeah. 3 points on eight threes, which was – I don't know if that was – that was definitely her career high. I don't know if that was an Oregon record. I'm not sure. But she absolutely balled out in her debut with the Ducks. Now, I think it was the day after Maryland plays Arkansas, and Katie Benson, an incoming transfer now for Maryland, who's been their best player so far this year,
1: no, I would say Angel Reese has, but sure.
0: Yeah, it could be argued. She's their leading scorer. Uh,
1: yeah, we'll get into that.
0: Katie Benzen drops 28 points on eight threes as well. Um, and I was looking at it as I prepare for my next three broadcasts uh, for women's basketball, their next three home games. And I didn't realize how good Katie Benzen actually was at Harvard. She has a lot of records there. First team all uh, Ivy League. In all three years that she played there, a lot. She's a three-point shooter, pure three-point shooter. She's shooting
1: 50% from beyond the arc right now.
0: It's just so impressive. 13 for
1: 26 for three games.
0: It's so impressive how she can come against – or not against Big Ten opponents yet, but just come into a Big Ten program and impact right away. And Um, she
1: didn't play last year either.
0: She is – and you said it. she's only 5'6". She's a special player. And I'm excited to see the rest of the season and how she goes up against Big Ten teams.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, just looking at this team, right, she's averaging through three games, 19 points a game. Angel Reese is uh, averaging 17. Diamond Miller, who has taken a huge leap, is averaging 14.3. Ashley Awusu, with 12. Chloe Bibby with 11.3. And they've all had different games when they've gone off. Um, you have Angel Reese averaging the most rebounds on a team. She's averaging 8.7 rebounds to average uh, 17 points and 8.7 rebounds in your first three college game games is pretty insane. Um, already six blocks as well, which is like two per game. Uh, and she's shooting uh 56.3% from the floor. I mean, this is just an impressive team so far. Um, it's a lot to be excited about. I really like the leap that I'm seeing from Diamond Miller, especially.
0: And going back to Benzin for a second, uh, she's 20th on Harvard's all-time scoring list, and she did that in just three years. And she made she has the record for 287 three pointers made in three years. Uh, and she owns top three single season records for most threes in a season. She did that all three seasons of her career at Harvard. So she's just an absolute shooter wearing number 11, the same number that Taylor sell wore, who's also an absolute shooter. I think this is just a crazy resemblance almost of how talented they are as shooters. And you mentioned the jump that Diamond Miller has made. She scored a career high 20 points in the season opener. Um, She's been playing the most minutes she had. She started
1: rebounding a lot better
0: rebounding. I've always said she's a great defender. She's six, three, very long arms and she's quick, very fast player. And, She's always been a great defender, but to see her starting to score more, she was a raw scorer, I would say, or a raw shooter, I guess, is the right term, uh, last year as a freshman. Um, and now you've really seen her take this jump, and she's really been scoring a lot better, rebounding a lot more. Uh, she's still, she has three steals in three games. She has a block as well. I think her defense is among the best on the team. Uh, And now she's scoring, she's averaging 14.3, you said, and shooting 50% from the field. So just the ability to score in a a more efficient way than last year is what's impressive to me. Uh, I mean, she's averaging nearly 26 minutes per game. Out of 40 minutes a game, she's going to be a really important factor to this team if it's going to make a run deep. Uh, And she has the experience from her her own family. Uh, during my prep, I saw that her dad played at Villanova, played overseas professionally. Her sister played at Ohio State and LaSalle, and then her other sister plays at Wagner right now. Um, so she A lot
1: has, of um, signal, uh siblings at Wagner.
0: Yeah, Anthony Cowan's sister as well. Um, but, yeah, so just so much experience through her family, and I- I'm sure that has to do with the jump she's made so far. Obviously only three games as well, so not too much sample size, but in that sample size she's done a phenomenal teams. job. Yeah, and against two great teams, so.
1: Um, And I'll say, like, Maryland dropped two spots in the AP poll to number 14. Obviously, the Missouri State loss. But the way they responded, like, this team has me even more confident than I was towards the beginning of the season because we didn't know what we were going to get from Chloe Bibby. We didn't know what we were going to get from Katie Benson. And if you just look at that particular game, the two transfers led the team in scoring in the best win of the season. So you had Katie, like we said, 28 points, um, eight, three, she shot eight for 14 from deep, which is insane. Um, in 29 minutes, you had Chloe Bibby with a double, double of 23 and 12. Um, she also two steals. She shot five for seven from three, six for nine from the floor and played the most minutes at 37. Diamond Miller had another double, double with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Angel Reese and Ashley Owusu both almost had double-doubles. Ashley um, had 12 points and nine rebounds and seven assists. So she really almost had a triple-double. Angel Reese had 16 points, eight rebounds, um, two assists, a block, a steal. This team looks very good right now. And you look at all the different games, and they have different people um, leading and, and stepping up. And they're a deep team. They've shown that. They've shown that, like, Yes, we lost some of our best players. We lost these seniors, but like we have a deep team. Um, you look at that first game and you had Diamond Miller and Angel Reese both with 20 points. Angel Reese nearly had a double double in that game as well. She's nearly had one in every single game. In that game, she had 20 rebounds or sorry, nine rebounds, 20 points, uh, two blocks, and a steal shot seven for 10 from the floor. Um, Diamond Miller, 20 points, five rebounds, two steals, shot six for 10 from the floor. Um, and then you had Katie Benzin, Ashley Lusu, and Faith in double digits as well. Um, and Chloe Bibby had nine points and nine rebounds. I mean, and then you even have someone like Mimi Collins with seven points and six rebounds. You know, this has the possibility to be a really good team.
0: Yeah, it's crazy when you talk about this depth. How deep it really is. Um, how each player can produce so well early on. And um, one of their, one of Dylan's key takeaways in his article uh, from the weekend was that depth scoring won't be an issue for this team, and it really won't. They had at least four players reach double figures in scoring in each of the three games so far. Four players in double figures. That's crazy. And, and they're shooting efficiently. The 50% from the field, more than 50% from three for certain players, it's, it's really impressive. And I, I, I doubted this team, to be honest with you, before the season. I really had no idea what to expect with the amount of new players and the role that Ashley Owusu was going to have to take on and Diamond Miller as well and how Angel Reese would come in and just – go. I didn't think she'd go off right away. And she is. And I was wrong. And I, I'm kind of happy that I'm wrong because I like to cover I had it.
1: Feeling, I had a feeling she was going to go off.
0: This is crazy. So, I mean, this is a special team. And, again, it's a team that Brenda Freeze can take, I think, deep into the tournament. And I say that every year. But she can. And she's a great coach. And I think – I mean, I know I'm excited to see what's in store the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see that as well. We'll wrap up with that. Make sure you guys catch Matt on the Towson broadcast.
0: Towson, Coppin State, and Mount St. Mary's. So
1: make sure you follow along. Hopefully he won't continue to be a jinx with game cancellations.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Issues so far.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow all of our coverage at tostewatimes.com.